It is April 29, 2015. 226 years ago this day, George Washington readied himself for the first ever presidential inauguration to take place the following day, the day that America as we know it came into existence with the president's hand resting on the word of God. That day would conclude with America's first government gathering in prayer to dedicate the nation's future to God. A century and a half earlier, another seminal event took place on the same day, on April 29, 1607, the voyagers on the Susan Constant, the Discovery, and the Godspeed gathered together in prayer at Cape Henry to set a wooden cross in the sands of Virginia Beach and to dedicate the new civilization to the will and the purposes of God. America's biblical foundation would be affirmed and reaffirmed over and over again by its forefathers, from the pilgrims of the Mayflower to the Puritans of Massachusetts Bay to the leaders of the first American colonies who declared publicly and in writing that the new commonwealth had come into existence solely for the glory and purposes of God. No historian can rewrite that, no president can expunge that, and if a thousand angels swore in a thousand Bibles that this was not the case, it would in no way alter the fact that this American civilization was conceived, established, dedicated, and founded on a biblical cornerstone. America was brought into existence for the will and the purpose of God. On this night, over 200 years ago, George Washington held in his hand the first ever presidential address. In that address was a prophetic warning. It was this, the propitious smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself hath ordained. In other words, if America should ever turn away from God and his ways, if it should ever disregard his eternal rules of order and right, then his blessings, the smiles of heaven, would be removed from the land. It was an ancient warning. It had been given in Hebrew words by the prophets to the kingdom of Israel. But Israel turned away from God and disregarded his eternal rules of order and right. They drove God out of their government, out of their public squares, out of their culture, out of the lives of their children. They worshipped idols and served other gods. They celebrated immorality and they persecuted righteousness. They lifted up their children on the altars of foreign gods. And the blessings of God were removed from the land and replaced with judgment. It is two and a half thousand years later and America has made the same mistake. We too have turned away from God. We too have driven him out of the government, out of our public square, out of our culture, out of the lives of our children. We too have profaned the sacred and sanctified the profane. And we too have killed our most innocent, over 55 million of our unborn children, and our collective hands are covered with blood. What we were warned never to do, we now have done. And now we gather in the city named after the one who gave us the prophetic warning. And yesterday in this city, in the building that sits across from this hill, the justices of the Supreme Court took up their places on the bench to decide whether America should strike down the biblical and historic definition of marriage. The very fact that, that an event should take place as such is a sign in itself that um, this is the America of Washington's warning. It's here. And this day of which he warned is now. We have become a civilization in spiritual schizophrenia, a nation at war against its own foundation. The Supreme Court opens its sessions with the words, God save the United States and this honorable court. But if then, if this honorable court should overrule the word of God and strike down the eternal rules of order and right that heaven itself hath ordained, how then will God save it? Supreme Court justices, can you judge the ways of God? Can you with man-made verdicts overrule the eternal laws of God? There is another court and there is another judge and before him all men and all judges will give account. 
If a nation's high court should pass judgment on the Almighty, should you then be surprised that the Almighty should pass judgment on the court and that nation? In the book of Jeremiah, it's written, Has a nation ever exchanged its gods? Yet my people have exchanged their glory for that which cannot help them. Let us not pretend as to what we are now doing. We are doing that which Israel did on the altars of Baal. We are exchanging our God for idols, our light for darkness, and our glory for that which cannot save us. Are we ready to risk that which comes on the other side of that exchange, the day when the blessings of heaven are removed from the land? We began with a word from the president of our first nations on the day that he began as president. I now speak a word to the president of our nation's most recent days. Each time I've spoken here, I've asked a question. I'll now answer it. Mr. President, with all respect that is due, what happens if one assumes the presidency by placing his left hand on the word of God and then with his right hand enacts laws that war against the very same word of God on which he laid his hand? Such an act invokes the judgment of the Almighty. To swear an oath on the word of God on which it's written, defend the weak and do not murder, and then to not defend the weak, to not protect the unborn, but instead to advance their murder is to invoke the judgment of the Almighty. To swear an oath on the word of God in which it's written, do not cause your brother to stumble, and then to seek to force those who uphold the word of God to transgress the word of God by partaking in the killing of the unborn and the celebration of sin is to invoke the judgment of the Almighty. And to swear an oath on the word of God in which it's written, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, and then to take part in the leading of a nation away from the eternal rules of order and right that heaven itself hath ordained and against the very word of God on which you laid your hand is to invoke the judgment of the Almighty. When the leaders of ancient Israel turned away from God, when they abolished his precepts and broke his covenant, they did so in the shadow of Moses, whose voice cried out to them in warning. Mr. President, when you address the nation from this house, look up, look up above the senators and the representatives, above the Supreme Court justices and above the invited guests, and you'll see a face, the only full visage in that wall. Looking back at you, it is the face of Moses. And if that face could speak, it would say this, no man can overrule the laws of God, no order can annul the order of God, and no judgment of man can stand against the judgments of God. Invoke not his judgment, but choose life. Lead in the way of repentance. Invoke the grace of God that he might have mercy on this land. We've come to a most critical moment. As Elijah stood on top of Mount Carmel and cried out to Israel in his hour of decision in between two altars and two gods, his voice now cries out to America and says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Seventy years ago, the chaplain of the United States Senate cried out with the same voice and said to this nation, if the Lord be God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him and go to hell. Tonight, America stands at the crossroads. And as Elijah came to the summit of Mount Carmel to make a declaration, we've come this night to Capitol Hill to declare that our God is not Baal, our God is not Moloch, our God is not government, our God is not money, our God is not power, not pleasure, our God is not political correctness, or any other man-made thing. We've come to this hill to declare that there is only one God, and he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Israel and of all nations. He alone is the rock upon which this nation has come into existence. And from this high place, we make this declaration. We will not bow down our knees to Baal. We will not bow down our knees to political correctness. We will not bow down our knees to a morality that as, is as shifting as sand in the wind. We will not bow down our knees to the laws and precepts of rebellion or the sacred cows of moral apostasy. We will not bow down our knees to the idols of man. We will not bow down to Baal. 
we will bow down our knees only to the Lord our God, come what may, and we will have no other gods before him. For some trust in chariots, some trust in princes, some trust in Supreme Courts, some trust in White Houses, some trust in governments, some trust in Wall Street, some trust in powers, and some trust in idols. But we will trust in the name of the Lord our God, in the name above all names, above all kings, above all powers. We will trust in the only name given by which we can be saved. We will trust in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the judge of all judges, the light of the world, the glory of Israel, the foundation stone upon which this nation came into existence, and the only answer, the only chance, and the only hope that America has that it might once again shine with the light of the fire of the presence of the glory of the living God and not go to hell. So help us, God. Thank you. Well, we are witnessing a time of political upheaval, a staggering economy, wars and rumors of wars everywhere. And in fact, we're even seeing some auspicious signs in the heavens. Is there an ancient mystery that lies behind everything that we're witnessing from the rise and fall of the stock market to the rise and fall of nations? Well, my guest today hopes to possibly answer that question. Uh, this is Jonathan Kahn, and he's the author of two New York Times bestseller books. Uh, the first is The Harbinger, and then his new book, The Mystery of the Shemitah. Uh, it predicts a biblical pattern, which indicates that financial collapse may be coming in 2015. So, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining the show today. Uh, now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, I, I've seen uh, some other interviews that you've done. You sort of mentioned that you didn't really want to to write this book, The Mystery of the Shemitah, because you weren't really interested in, in setting up uh, predictions and specific dates and things like that. Um, but it sort of builds off your, your 2012 best-selling novel, The Harbinger, which was uh -huh. uh, um, a fictional story suggesting that the 9-11 terrorism attack was a divine warning to the United States. So talk to me a little bit about that first novel and then how that uh, leads us to The Mystery of the Shemitah. Yeah, the Harbinger is framed in a in a, a story, but it's it's something very real, and it's a mystery that goes back to the last days of ancient Israel, when nine prophetic warnings appear in the land, and they are warning the nation of destruction, and the nation basically ignores them and is destroyed. Now, the the eerie thing or the stunning thing is those same nine harbingers or nine prophetic signs are now reappearing on American soil, starting with 9-11, but they have continued. In fact, since the book came out, they have continued to manifest. They are precise, they are exact, and they are warning that America is now the nation in danger of coming calamity. So that's, that's what the harbinger reveals. And from that, one of the mysteries that comes out of that is called the Shemitah. So that's how the, that's how the mystery of the Shemitah began. And then, so, so what is the mystery of the Shemitah? And, and has it begun? Yeah, the mystery of the Shemitah is a 3,000-year-old mystery from the Bible that actually lies behind everything from the rise and fall of the economy, the rise and fall of Wall Street, when Wall Street collapses, uh, the rise and fall of nations, even the rise of America and what may be the fall of America. This thing is so precise that, it, it, as far as I know, it's the only thing in existence that actually gives the exact dates of when things happen down to the hours, down to the seconds. I mean, literally forecasting the exact crashing days of Wall Street. 
It also is really the key for those who know about end time prophecy. It's also the key that's also the missing key of things that are happening from Israel to major world events. And so this mystery of the Shemitah has been affecting our lives from the moment we were born, really uh, affecting from our bank accounts to world history itself. And uh, we are in a Shemitah year right now. That's one of the reasons I didn't want people to focus on dates. I do give dates, but it's a bigger principle. So this mystery begins uh, actually on Mount Sinai. When the law comes, it's called the law of the Shemitah. And basically to understand it, it's this. Every seven years was a Sabbath year. It's called the Shemitah. And during that year, there was no reaping, no sowing of the land. Everything came to a rest. And on the last day of the Shemitah, the last day was called, in Hebrew, was called Elul 29. That is the, the, the 29th day of the month of Elul. On that day comes a wipeout. All debt is wiped out. All credit's wiped out. All the, the financial accounts are wiped clean. Now, the Shemitah was supposed to be a blessing. But when Israel turned away from God, the Shemitah comes back, not as a blessing, but as a sign of judgment on a nation that has once known God, but now is driving God out of its life. And this ultimately would lead to the destruction of Israel. So the question here is, could this ancient mystery, the Shemitah, still be in effect? Could it be affecting us right now? Could it be a warning with what is happening in America? And the answer, and that's why I wrote the book, The Mystery of the Shemitah, the answer is incredibly yes. It's in effect. It's affecting us. It has affected us. It is affecting us. And I believe it will affect us. And once again, here in 2015, yeah. now, in the book, which obviously goes into great detail, we don't have enough time here today to, to cover it all, um, but it talks about the last five great economic crashes in the last 40 years have all lined up with yeah. the Shemitah years as well. And so I'm curious, even with that, could someone have knowledge of this and rig the stock markets um, with that knowledge. We've got an article up uh, uh, on Infowars now talking about um, that the rigging is no longer a conspiracy theory. Like now they're saying, wow, this is actually something that's happening. So, so could that be something else that could be um, exploited? Well, I, I think a few things. I mean, you know, there can be those things and there certainly are people who rig the markets. Um, you know, and yet this this thing has been happening, I mean, for not only the last four years, it's actually been happening since, I mean, the the over a century, you can see it. Um, it is happening so exactly that even if people try to rig the markets, first of all, most of them are not religious or they're not following the Bible, number one. Number two, um, you could not make everything happen down, I mean, to the day and happening so exactly. Most people on Wall Street don't understand the Shemitah. You know, once when I wrote the book, people from Wall Street were contacting me and saying, some of them saying there is a seven-year cycle. And, and when I looked, I looked after the book, it actually, they actually are identifying the seven-year cycle on the time of the Shemitah, but they have no idea what the Shemitah is. So I'd say it's bigger than that. There are conspiracies, but this is bigger than that. When you look at the last 40 years, man, it's uh, the greatest crashes or the, the collapsing of the Wall Street, the long-term collapses are the years 1973, 1980, 87, 2000, and 2007. Every single one of them happens on a seven-year cycle. That's the Shemitah. Every single one of them happens at the time of the Shemitah. But not only that, if you look at the greatest collapses in world history, I mean, just in modern times, the top three, uh, which is number three, is 1937, 1938. That's the year of the Shemitah. Uh, the number two is 2007, 2008, the Great Recession, year of the Shemitah. Number one is the Depression, greatest year is 1930-31, year of the Shemitah. Every single one happens in this time period. And it even gets more precise because actually there's a certain time of the year 
when this, these things have to collapse. Biblically, the time of the year is called the month of Tishri. That's the, that's the time that actually closes the Shemitah, this seven-year cycle. So it's the, it's the time that manifests this wipeout that comes at the end. Well, if you look at the greatest day crashes in Wall Street history, the amazing thing is the majority of them all happen at the same time of year. They happen in the, at the time of the month of Tishri. That's why for years, economists have been boggled why do all these great crashes happen around September, October? Well, that's the biblical month of Tishri. But it even gets more like intense and stunning because if you look at the last two cycles, which is 2001 and 2007, the amazing thing is this, this phenomenon, or actually 2008, this phenomenon is getting more and more precise and more and more powerful or stunning. For example, 2001, you have 9-11 happens. You have, it causes the greatest point crash in world history. Well, when does that take place? It's September 17, 2001. That's the greatest crash. What day is that? That date is Elul 29, the exact day of the Shemitah that comes once every seven years. That's the day appointed to wipe out the financial realm in the Bible, the exact day, and it's a sign of judgment. If you go seven years into the future and you find you have the other greatest crash in world history to this day, September 29, 2008, greatest crash ever. When does that take place? On September 29th, and the biblical calendar, it's Elul 29, the exact same biblical day that comes once every seven years. So the two greatest crashes in world history each happen exactly seven biblical years apart, down to the day, down to the hour, the minute, the second, on the day that's appointed once in seven years to wipe out the financial realm. So, I mean, this is stunning. I don't believe, no matter what, anybody could have put this thing together. I mean, that's how precise it is, down to the day and down to the seconds. Right. Well, I mean, I've definitely, just from my own experience reading the Bible, I've, I've, I've noticed how, you know, we still sort of see that with our banking. You have bankruptcies clear themselves after seven years. Your credit report, you know, bad things on your credit seem to be wiped away after a seven-year period. So we yeah. see this is still something that's been in play for, for a long time. Now, you mentioned that it's supposed to be a blessing to wipe yeah. away this debt. Yeah. But here when we see these yeah. economic crashes, who yeah. is benefiting from that? Yeah, well, that's, you know, it, it is, there's two sides. That's right. There are two sides to the Shemitah. It's supposed to be a blessing. And a nation that follows God, there's a blessing. But if a nation that has known God like America, which is very, very much a parallel to Israel, turns away from God, the Shemitah turns and becomes a sign of judgment, actually comes by force. So, yeah, you have instead of a, a, a good wiping away of debts, you have crashes, you have recessions, you have all these things. But the thing is even bigger because not only does this affect the economy, but this actually determines the rising and the falling of nations. And that's why it's very significant with America, because if you look at the, in the word Shemitah in Hebrew can mean the shaking or the fall or the collapse. Well, one of the years of the Shemitah was 1917. That year is a year of a great, I mean, cataclysmic global shaking, World War I, the greatest shaking to that day. That's the turning point year. That's the year that America enters the war, begins its rise to superpower. You watch, you know, at this time, you've got the collapse of kingdoms, collapse of empires during the time of the Shemitah, and you have the rise of America. Well, if you fast forward four Shemitahs or 28 years, it takes you to the Shemitah of 1945, another global cataclysm, another world shaking. In fact, the, the conflict actually begins in 1938 with, a, with Hitler seizing Europe. 
it actually is, that's the, 1938 is the year of the Shemitah. It, every, the war follows the cycle of the Shemitah. It, the Shemitah ends 1945, first week of September. The World War II ends the same week. It ushers in the collapse of power and the rise of power, the rise of America to superpower, the Cold War, new economic world order, everything. So, I mean, and actually this is followed down, even the year 2001, year of the Shemitah, actually means shaking. And when you when the Shemitah reaches its greatest, uh, its last week, that's the week heading to that wipeout day. Well, you've got 9-11 comes in. You literally have, you know, Shemitah can mean the fall or the collapse. You literally have the fall or the collapse of towers representing America's glory. This is a warning in the Bible of, you know, the, if the, you know the, there's a, a thing in the book called the mystery of the towers. And one of the things is that the rising of towers actually links to the rise of power. What does the fall of towers foreshadow of? All these things are coming together. And the warning of the Shemitah is if a nation drives away God, the God of its blessings, those blessings will end and the American age will end as we know it. And we are, again, in one right now. And so you're saying that, that <clears throat> the seventh, uh, the Shemitah year has begun now. So has anything yeah. come about this year that yep. you've seen? Yeah, well, one thing, a few things. First of all, the when the Shemitah began, I mean, we're right now in the center of it. And again, I'm not, you know, Leanne, one of the things is why I want to be careful. I don't want people setting dates that nothing has to happen. You know, we can't put God in a box. Nothing has to happen every time. However, in view of what has happened, I would be aware of it. First of all, a very major thing happened that escaped most people. The Shemitah began in, in the autumn of, of, of 2014. And what happened is within two weeks, well, actually within one week of it beginning, and remember the Shemitah can mean the fall, within one week, America was overtaken. Russia became the greatest, uh, actually the, the top super um, uh, nuclear power on earth. It actually surpassed it the first week of the Shemitah. The second week of the Shemitah so came something even more major. And that is that the American age that began in the year 1871, when we became the strongest economic power on earth, came to an end. America was dethroned as the Shemitah began. It is now China has taken the crown of America. Now, I've warned for since the Harbinger came out, I've warned that if we don't turn back to God, there is going to be the crown that America has worn as the head of nations going to be removed. We are seeing the beginning of that right now. And so we are watching actually when, when the, um, the same week that the Shemitah began, Wall Street went crazy for about a month. Now, the, the pattern of the, the last Shemitahs have been that often at the beginning of the Shemitah, you don't notice anything, but there are often foreshadows. Well, the major thing, if something's going to happen, the major period is going to be uh, coming up is at the, always at the end of the Shemitah as we approach September. That's the time of that wipeout. I'm not saying it has to happen, but I believe we need to be aware of it. And interesting, people who look, you know, look at signs, um, one of the signs in the Bible of judgment is the darkening of the sun or an eclipse. Not that it always is, but it can be. On the day that we get to the wipeout day, Elul 29 of this Shemitah cycle, the sun's going to be darkened at that time. That, the last time that happened was 1987 when the, the sun was darkened at, the, at Elul 29. It led into Black Monday, the worst day crash in world history. Um, I believe we are going to watch, if we don't turn back, if this nation keeps on going on its course, we're going to watch the fall of America or the shaking of America. And the American age that you and I and, every, and all our listeners have known since we were born is going to come to an end. And the Shemitah is very exact, very precise. And I believe this is a real warning that we need to be ready. Right. And I know a lot of our audience uh, was pretty interested in the fact that there there was uh, this phenomenon. Um, you know, it's not super rare, but 
with all of the blood moons and the yeah. and the uh, solar yeah. eclipses and everything, and they were coinciding with Jewish holidays. And so is that something that's very significant for you as well? Yeah, well, interesting. I mean, yeah, not to, and I know Mark Biltz, who, who is the one who came up with the blood moon uh, theory. Well, yeah, not that we want to be dogmatic again that it has to, but I believe it's significant to watch for. For instance, the majority of the blood moon period is the year of the Shemitah. That's the majority of it. And when it comes to a head, guess when it comes to a head? It's September 2015, which is that same key period of the Shemitah. But the other thing is, one of the things that people don't realize when uh, they look at end-time prophecy is one of the most amazing things about end-time prophecy has to do with the Shemitah. One of the things I put at the end of the book, it's called the mystery of the seventh Shemitah, and that's this. When you get to every seventh Shemitah, or that's seven times seven, that's 49 years, it ushers in a super Shemitah called, that we know it's called the Jubilee. And the Jubilee, when that happens, uh, there is, everybody is restored to their land. If you lost your land, you lost your inheritance, you lost your ancestral home, on the Jubilee, you return and, to your home and you get that home back. Well, one of the things about end-time prophecy, as we're speaking about that, is that is that we know that end-time prophecy says that Israel has to be restored to the land and to Jerusalem, which it lost in uh, 2,000 years ago. That has to happen. Well, could this mystery of the seventh Shemitah actually give us the exact times when these prophetic events have to happen? And I'll give you just a taste of it. Uh, here it is. The Shemitah or the Jubilee, the seventh Shemitah or the Jubilee, this restoration period, has to happen the year after a Shemitah, because it's the 50th year and the, the 49th year or the seventh Shemitah, that's a Shemitah. So here's the thing. If you look at the year 1917, you have the year of the Shemitah. At the end of it would be this prophetic period that begins September 1917 to September 1918. Did anything significant happen with prophecy or restoration? Well, here's the amazing thing. In that exact period, uh, Britain uh, is winning the First World War. The Ottoman Empire crashes. The land of Israel goes to Britain. Britain issues, issues the Balfour Declaration, gives the land back to the Jewish people in the restoration, the Jubilee coming back to the land in the exact time period. And if you count seven Shemitahs later to the next seventh Shemitah, it takes you to, the, it gives you the period that, that is 1966 September to 1967 September. Right in the middle of that comes the next prophetic restoration, the Six-Day War, when Israel regains Jerusalem. Well, here's the thing. I'm not being dogmatic. I'm not saying it has to be. But if we follow this one more time, where does it take us? It takes us to the Shemitah that we're in right now. That's the seventh Shemitah. And the period of prophetic restoration would be September 2015 to September 2016. Now, again, not being dogmatic, but if it follows the pattern of what happened before, it would mean war, war in the Middle East, and a war resulting in a the next piece or puzzle piece of prophecy. So this is so big. I mean, we're talking about from our pocketbooks, our bank accounts, to, our, to America, to prophecy, to the end times. So it's, it's very specific. It's very exact. Yeah, very, and we're definitely seeing that happening. A lot of downplay here. We've got major military exercise going on across America, people prepping. Um, you know, we see the elite are kind of um, building up bases and bunkers in, in New Zealand and countries far away, a lot of civil unrest. So we're sort of seeing the signs, but we're also seeing the signs in the heavens as well. Um, now, what do you suggest people do? Is there something that people should do to prepare yeah. for this? I mean, we're seeing the writing on the wall. Yeah, that's a great question. I'll, I'll, I'll give a, a few quick things. One is, I mean, I'm not a financial analyst, but I would say this. 
Personally, I would not feel safe putting uh, our, my investment in the stock market at this time, number one. I believe that safety is, is, is wise. I believe it's also wise to have a, uh, a store of, of essentials if, for instance, if things broke down, if, if services broke down, that you'd be okay. I think that's wise anyway. Beyond that, and I'm going to give you the, really the highest answer is this. When people say, you know, I want to be, I want safety, you know, what should I do? Should I build a bunker? Well, in Hebrew, the word for safety is Yeshua, and Yeshua is Jesus. So the ultimate thing is this. Listen, no matter if you are outside of him, uh, and I'm telling you, I'm Jewish, and I'm telling you that if you're outside of Jesus, there's no safety. The only safety is inside him. And if you're in him and your life is not right in God's will, get it right. Get right today. You know, you don't know how long you have. And what I'm saying here is the time is late. We are witnessing things that we have never witnessed in American history. We're witnessing an apostasy. We're witnessing a moral uh, decay that the Bible gives very clear answers of what happens when, when a nation goes this way. We're witnessing America and Israel, you know, at its worst relationship. We're witnessing all these things happening fast. The time is late. So what I would say is the, there are many wise things to do, but the most important thing is get right with God and you don't have to worry, uh, you don't have to fear because you are in safety, which again in Hebrew is Yeshua and that's Jesus. Wow. Well, Jonathan, where can everyone get your book and, and stay in touch 